What's up, guys? We're back with episode three of the North American Weed Tour podcast. I'm Mitch Pfeiffer, joined with Joey J. Ping. What's good? And we've today we've got special guest David Garcia, co-founder of Tree Factory. What's up, my man? How are you? Good, good. Thank you. How are you guys? Living, man. Living. Just just got little man to somewhat to sleep and uh, ready to get on the late night grind. Nice. Let's do it. I've been- I've been on the grind. I'm excited to have you on the show. I'm about to spark up this little gift that you sent to us the other day. I got that new Tree Factory, the Sager's Road Edition, man. That OG, that OG is coming. Man, this is this is exciting. Enjoy. Thank you. Big oh, shout yeah. out to the Tree Factory fan, man. Mitch, why don't you why don't you intro David and let's give the people what they want. They want to learn about Tree Factory. They've been making moves. They've been seeing the press. They've been hearing things. Lay it on. Yeah, so, you know, I'll give the brief introduction, but David is the, is the co-founder and running Tree Factory, a dispensary and delivery service in Ventura County. Um, got some impressive statistics, I believe. What is it between over 250 to 300,000 uh, deliveries completed under the Tree Factory name? Correct. Since 2015, we've done about 300,000 deliveries in Ventura County. That's crazy. Yeah, that is definitely crazy. Um, On your way to a billion, just like McDonald's. <laughs> That's the goal. Absolutely. And um, yeah, for people watching this episode, definitely learn some game about navigating the licensing aspect of cannabis. Um, you know, getting started, building one business and turning it into the next. And a little bit of history from Tree Factory, man. So, you know, without further ado, Joey's smoking the, the Savior's Road. Could you give us, you know, the brief history of Tree Factory? Sure. So Tree Factory was founded in 2015 uh, in a garage uh, on Savior's Road in Oxnard, California. It's located in Ventura County, uh, Southern California region. Uh, so the way that worked out was there was definitely a, uh, a need for professional delivery service in Ventura County. Essentially what you had was the back alley transactions, you know, the shady people delivering you cannabis. Uh, so we seen an opportunity. We, uh, we also started cultivating. We started with uh, four lights in our garage on Savior's Road. Uh, and then shortly after we uh, created Tree Factory Delivery where we started doing deliveries out of that garage in Ventura wow. County. Yeah. So in Ventura County, uh, it's, 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 so a neighbor's LA County, Los Angeles County, Los Angeles County at that time was way more uh, lenient. They kind of turned the other way. That's why you've seen a lot of dispensaries in Los Angeles uh, at that time, 2015, Ventura County, there was no dispensaries. And if any of them popped up, they would get shut down immediately. Uh, so we definitely wanted to de-risk it. So we ended up, uh, we, end, we, we, we felt that it was safer to do a delivery uh, service. And then also what protected us was the Prop 215 SB 420, which at that mm-hmm. time was the collective model. So, so you guys, you guys look at the look kind of look at the market. You look at the legislation. You're like, man, how can we be? How can we operate compliantly in in those days, but also safe 
because they are, you know, back then they were raiding dispensaries, right? I mean, they are today still, but they're not raiding legal ones, right? They're raiding all the old ones, right? Correct. So can you walk me through some of that mindset? You know, you guys are actively growing cannabis. It, yes, it's compliant. You're watching your dispensary cohorts get raided, though. You know, how do you even start building out this model for delivery service when it hasn't even really existed before? Just like the way the customer likes it, discreet. So we had to be discreet. Uh, we had to be discreet and professional. So our customers didn't know we were operating out of a garage on Saviors Road. Uh, if anything, they thought we were operating uh, out of some type of tower, some type of office structure, because that's the way we represented ourselves and that's the way we trained our employees. The customer didn't really know the obstacles or the hurdles uh, that we had to go through to make that possible. Uh, and it's not their problem, right? Uh, it's our problem to make sure that we provide a discrete, smooth transaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in those days, it was obviously, you know, a, a little bit less of a commercial situation, right? In terms of the grow, we're talking, you know, not massive buildings and things like that yet, you know, not huge thousand grow, you know, grow houses situations. What was that like for you guys? What was it like setting up that initial, that initial grow? What was it like, you know, kind of tell me about your first crop. I mean, you guys are, you, you became farmers. Yeah. So our first, uh, our first, uh, crop was interesting. So, uh, we, we set up the grow, right. Uh, thank God we had an electrician that knew what he was doing. So that's for sure half the battle. Uh, and then we had our, um, our, uh, reverse osmosis system, uh, with a, uh, 50 gallon drum that didn't have a lid. <laughs> so we flooded the garage a few times. Uh, you, you forget. So we, we definitely went through a, through a learning curve. <laughs> This so we definitely you know messed up a few crops but we actually learned something so i think the experience that we gained was worth uh you know messing things up you have to fail uh, in order for you to learn and i think uh for me it was worth every penny then we ended up uh, you know we continued we didn't stop we continued to reinvest and uh before you know it uh we started fucking up less and less and less until we got it dialed in. Now, do you remember what it was like smoking your first harvest? Yeah, it it was a uh, it was a uh, it, it was this uh, undescribable feeling. Uh, if you have kids, it's like cutting the umbilical cord. Yeah, that's the I, best. I, I, I hear you. I, we, we grew our first crop, you know, two summers ago. It was an incredible feeling to smoke it. And then also to press it into some rosin, which is also kind of cool to see that happen. Yeah, you get it fresh. Yeah, you get it fresh. Uh, you cure it the way you want to cure it. You can go a little longer. It's your baby. You watched it grow. Uh, it's definitely a, a priceless moment for sure. So between the first harvest, the first delivery, you, then you guys, we, we get to uh, this Prop 64, this whole legal recreational model, and then we're here now. We've been in the game a, a year or two. Can you walk us through? You know, you guys just recently acquired a new dispensary, right? So you're, you've are you been a delivery service for all these years. You cultivated 
and now you actually have a retail location. So walk us through how that even happened. How does one go from doing this to now all of a sudden we're, we're talking dispensary. I saw a sign going up the other day. Very exciting growth, man. How does that even happen? Well, being consistent, uh, being relentless. Uh, and just to add before we you know, transition to, uh, to Prop 64, and just to clarify, we're talking about Prop 215 SB420. Uh, you know, the network that went on during those days, uh, you've built these uh, genuine, authentic relationships with people within the industry who we now work with on the Prop 64 side, which is kind of uh, California's regulated side. Um, that is also a uh, priceless feeling to, to know that uh, essentially these people that are cultivating some of California's best cannabis also transition with you. You guys see each other. That feeling is different. Mm -hmm. It's just a different feeling. Uh, you share this bond that if you missed it, you missed it. Yeah. Like you made it, y'all made it, y'all made it here together. Right. Yeah. So the relationships that tree factory, uh, was able to, uh, to establish during prop 215 SB 420 to me is priceless. Uh, and then navigating to uh, to Prop 64. Uh, so there was one city in the well, two cities in the area, but one city was capped. Uh, it was Ojai. We applied, but we were just out of the zone, so uh, we didn't get granted. Three dispensaries got granted, uh, and then shortly after, Port Wainimi. Uh, got licensed, uh, opened up their doors for uh, for retail, right? Uh, so we're still delivering. Uh, it's this transitional phase, right, where there's still Prop 215 SB 420 uh, services, cultivation companies. We're getting, uh, you know, letters to stop operating. Uh, Prop 64 is coming in. That was a scary feeling because it's the unknown. You mm -hmm. don't know if they're going to kick in your door. You don't know. Uh, what's going to happen. And then for me, what I felt was, shit, we better transition um, because we're going to, you know, we're going to be late to the party or we're going to miss our flight. So it was this, uh, this not having a safety net, uh, this feeling of unknown, but we were relentless. So we made it happen. Um, what I did was I scouted some of the local dispensaries in, uh, in Port Wainimi, I seen which ones were new to the industry. Uh, and uh, just just to, to, to clarify on this, the reason we didn't apply for Port Wainimi was, A, there was no more real estate left. Uh, and then, B, they wouldn't have let us operate because we came from the Prop 215 SB420 uh, era. And we didn't want to change our name. We wanted, mm. to, we wanted to stay with Tree Factory and essentially that was uh that was non-negotiable mm. right it's got it's got to be when you're building a brand you got to be able to keep all your strongest assets and the brand the brand name for tree factory it's just it's undoubtedly a very strong brand name thank you yeah so we started scoping out um we started scoping out dispensaries who would want to partner with us and then eventually um you know transition to tree factory uh, we found one that we uh, eventually ended up doing a joint venture. So the deal there was 
for us to get into the legal market, which is the Prop 64, uh, and give us some cover, but also bring value to them, right? So we did the partnership. We finally fi we fine-tuned the, uh, the joint venture. So we came on board as their delivery uh, wing or the delivery uh, department, right? Like the arm, the arm, the arm of their, their beast. Exactly. Uh, so when we came in, they were doing, uh, you know, they were doing decent sales, right? One month later, they went up 40%, right? And then a year later, they went up 60%. 22 months later, they went up 100%. So we definitely brought tremendous value and we did about 33% of all sales, right? On delivery alone. Uh, not to mention the customers who were loyal to us uh, went to that specific store to uh, pick up product from their store. So not only did we do about 33% of all sales via delivery, we also had customers coming in uh, you know, to pick up product. We brought, you know, a tremendous amount of value. But for Tree Factory, the goal was still the same, to have our own dispensary. Mm -hmm. So now that we had experience uh, to show for on paper, it, it was time for us to, uh, you know, to seek opportunities elsewhere. This specific dispensary, um, you know, they were applying everywhere. They were seeking opportunities everywhere else. Uh, so we decided to... Um, Again, we decided, uh, you know, to uh, to venture off because we didn't want to be late to the party or we didn't want to miss out on an opportunity to grow Tree Factory. Yeah. And that's and that's how that's how you guys, you know, I remember uh, in one of our conversations, that's kind of how a conversation with the owner of the other shop came about is after kind of like just a random outreach. Right. Or something like that. Right. Yeah. That's great. That's just crazy. Right. So, um, yeah, so our, 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 it, the contract was for a year, right? Uh, and then it was month to month after that. And we, we were excelling. We were uh, definitely, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, doing our part of the deal. We were definitely bringing value. But for Tree Factory, we felt boxed in. We felt uh, like we weren't growing and we weren't going to have an opportunity to grow. So when opportunities started coming to Tree Factory, I had to do what was best for my family and I had to do what was best for our customers uh, along with Tree Factory uh, to seek out opportunities elsewhere as well. So that's when Leaf and Lion came about. Mm -hmm. um, so Leaf and Lion came about. Uh, they were a struggling dispensary. Uh, they were about to be shut down by the city. Uh, for not being compliant. They were a nuisance to the city. They weren't doing anything for the community. Um, and for us and the other dispensary, the partner dispensary that we were partnered up with, uh, it didn't look like we were going to grow long-term, right? So we decided to par ways, When we decided to part ways, uh, you know, we looked into Leaf and Lion 
And we had to go through the entire process. Uh, we had to wait. We had to get approved by the city. They had to, uh, you know, make sure that we were the right fit, right? Uh, they knew who we were. We showcased experience, uh, you know, with what we did to the other dispensary, which is what we brought value, right? So they finally cleared us after five months, right? They cleared us. Once we were cleared, we then took it over, right? Okay. So essentially that was a, a task within itself because usually when you buy a dispensary or a business, it's turnkey, right? This one was a little awkward because we essentially, it was a collapsing dispensary that we had to prep and turnkey and get it ready for ourselves. Yeah. So we went in there uh, acting as consultants for Leaf and Lion to turnkey it for the the people who were going to acquire it. And the people who were going to acquire it was us. So then we acquired it. Uh, and we move forward. We brought our entire infrastructure over to assist. Uh, month one, when we did do the uh, the acquisition, we started operating. We went up 600% in sales as soon as we took it over. Um, we put banners up. Uh, again, you know, it's, it's competition. Competition's going to do everything they possibly can to... Uh, you know, to make sure that you, you stay put. So we started getting uh, phone calls by the city of Port Wainimi, uh, take your signs down. You're only allowed to have one banner. Uh, we started getting emails from the BCC. Uh, hey, you guys aren't DBA tree factory yet. You guys need to take all your signs down. So that in itself took an extra month, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to make happen, but we are constantly getting harassed uh, by these competitors who would call the city and the city said, look, we're not going to do anything, uh, but just get it done. Well, at least, at least, at least, at least they're giving that leeway. They could be dicks about it, but at least, right. at least they're, at least they're being communicative and giving the opportunity for a little back and forth. Um, and it, yeah, it is, it is just super unfortunate. You know, I, I can remember back <clears throat> as in my, in my butt tender days in Seattle, uh, you know, shout out to the Diego Pelicer fam. But we definitely had people reporting our stuff, uh, people trying to somewhat, you know, sabotage the, 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 the customer experience for us. And it's unfortunate. Uh, the best will always rise, rise above. Um, and your, their company, a tree factory, you know, they, they can't stop the wave. A right. true tsunami is happening with the tree factory brand. And I think that's what's very exciting about you guys is you're so you're so ingrained in the community you're infused with the community you are a true local in your ventura county community uh someone who really grew up there your whole family a part of the business that it's just ultimately it can't be stopped you know right yeah yeah thank you i I felt like um when that happened it actually helped us because they you know it, it pissed a lot of people off was here's the little guy trying to survive finally uh you know acquires their first dispensary and you have these you know, competitors who are well-funded, well-established, not locals, uh, you know, being bullies. Uh, So that pissed them off. And they definitely expressed that, you know, on social media, as far as like resharing us, 
we, we, we got so much, uh, you know, love, support and um, interaction from the community here locally that, uh, you know, we were, we were, uh, you know, it, it was definitely a pretty sight to see, knowing that you have the backing of your community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So my next question, and Mitch, you can obviously feel free to chime in here. Um, we, you guys have a new dispensary coming. So Leaf and Lion, a lot of growth. You acquire it first month, second month, you, hurdles, harassment. Lots of new revenue for that failing dispensary, which is very exciting to see that the model is working. And then you guys get awarded a license in Oxnard. Right. And not only is it, uh, you know, there's there's a bunch of new dispensaries opening in Oxnard. You guys are one of the group, right? It's one of the newest in new areas in Ventura County that's coming online. Right. And but there's something different about your location. And right. so walk us through. This new Oxnard flagship dispensary, and talk to let the people know some of the cool features that you're excited to bring to the community. Right. Yeah. So this is a project we've been working on for about two and a half years. Uh, we bought the we bought the property uh, two and a half years ago before uh, cannabis was uh, even considered. We had a hunch. Right. Uh, and we knew more or less to stay away from houses, uh, be in a retail zone, uh, stay away from schools. So we were driving and we were looking, we were talking to realtors. We were doing everything we could to find a property. And we that one went up for sale. So as soon as it went up for sale, we immediately jumped on it. We went we wow. went into escrow. We got approved. Um and what's unique about that dispensary is that it's locally owned first and foremost. Uh, and then it's, it, it's right off the 101 freeway in Oxnard. Uh, it's 23,000 square feet. It's right next to Best Buy. Uh, it's in between Rose Avenue and Gonzalez and the 101 freeway. That corridor has a tremendous amount of traffic. Physically, physically, the building is between Best Buy and Goodwill. It's sandwiched by correct. Goodwill and Best Buy, correct? Correct. And in the same parking lot as a Golden uh, a Golden Corral? Golden Corral. Man, let's go. We have 155 parking spots. So parking, uh, don't worry about parking. Uh, yeah, and we definitely have some nice, you know, some, uh, some recognized uh, neighbors. Right. As, as far as national neighbors, we're the only locals in that entire strip. Wow. Right. We're next to Coffee Bean. We're next to Starbucks. We're next to Shell Gas Station, Chevron, Walmart, Subway, um, Turner's, Vons, Sam's yeah. Club, uh, McDonald's, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Raising You're Cane. the only local business. We're the only local business in that entire strip, uh, which is huge. For for me, it, it's huge. It's 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 this undescribable feeling that, you know, coming from where I came from, which is on the opposite side of the city, uh, you know, the older part of the city, to be able to make it there, um, you know, it's 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 an undescribable feeling. It's this uh, th this proud moment for me. And when you look at 
you know, cannabis, the legalization of cannabis, right? It's all, it's, it's a big part of that has been breaking the stigma and, you know, bringing cannabis to just every day, you know, being considered as a regular thing, whether it's commerce, the use, the discussion of it. Um, and there's still so many hurdles in the industry with breaking that stigma and making it normalized and just more regular for people. Um, so describe the feeling that you see when you look at all these big box stores and businesses that people know, and then you're going to see cannabis in the middle of that. How does that feel to you? And, and why do you think there's an importance of putting cannabis normalized in, in the retail scenario? Right. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I, I feel like, uh, we're definitely at the forefront of that. I feel like we're pioneers, uh, in the retail cannabis space for doing that. We definitely took a risk, right? And we went into the unknown. We definitely fought for it. It wasn't easy. We had to win in Oxnard twice. The first one was practice. So essentially what happened is they told us, hey, you guys won. A couple months later, they sent out a letter saying, you know what, uh, you guys did not win. It did not count. Uh, so you guys have to do it all over again. Right. And we're locals, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're definitely, uh, locally owned family owned, uh, operation. We're not funded by these corporations. So we had to go up against the big boys twice. Right. And we ended up winning twice. We're probably the only dispensary that's, uh, next to all those businesses that I just mentioned. Also, we're the only dispensary off the freeway. We're the biggest dispensary. Uh, we're actually going to be a superstore, uh, 23,000 square feet. And what I'm going to do there, uh, it's it's very unique. Essentially, it's, from my experience, I sat down with uh, the architect. We designed everything. It's mm -hmm. it's uh, it's something that uh, I had envisioned a while back, something that I seen that was lacking in the industry. For example, you mentioned normalizing education. Uh, we have the space. We're going to have our own education center. So we can educate uh, the public, edu educate uh, customers, uh, and really be bring people on board to speak to uh, to to our customers. And then at, at twenty three thousand square feet, is that going to be one of the largest stores in the entire state? It'll be one of the yes. It's it's going to be one of the largest stores. Not the largest, but one of the largest. Uh, it is the largest store in Oxnard, Ventura County, uh, and the 805. That's crazy, man. Well, congratulations on that. That's very exciting. I know for me, having walked through it the other day, obviously you haven't broken ground in terms of the walls and getting it to just be looking how you want it to uh, ultimately come out and come to life. But it's very exciting to see that come to life and obviously sandwich there between the three different uh, – big name, big box retail establishments, Golden Corral on the restaurant side, as well as uh, Goodwill. I mean, Best Buy, it's going to be, it's very, it's, it's very cool. Um, especially, you know, you, your guys' team being the young group of entrepreneurs that you guys are, uh, locals, you know, 100% the type of company that we want to support. Um, it, it's inspiring to other people. Hopefully that this can inspire other people to do something similar uh, to start their delivery, to start their little grow, to start hitting, you know, make it, making the right connections and, and networking and those things. Now get out there. Yeah. So really quick, uh, I definitely want you guys to invite me back so I can give you guys a clear walkthrough. 
as far as what I have envisioned, I can't really let out uh, any kind of uh, secrets that I have yes. in mind because it's still active. But I definitely want to share with uh, with with the followers what it's going to look like, uh, the vision behind it, the thought process that went uh, through it, the experience, uh, and how I brought it back and um, and really laid it all out to have a uh, a modern up-to-date dispensary that's going to be a, a a model dispensary for the city of Oxnard. Mm-hmm. What I could tell you is that the city of Oxnard is going to uh, call us their model dispensary. And essentially, it's going to be the dispensary that they recommend to tourists, uh, that they recommend to, to locals, uh, and that they also do walkthroughs with other politicians, uh, other lawmakers uh, that are interested in allowing cannabis in uh, in their cities, counties, states, etc. That's that's awesome too. When, you, when you've got the superstore and it's again surrounded by the respected brands and parking, huge, a good right. clean environment, huge, readily accessible, huge, off the freeway, convenient, huge. I'm very excited to see that come to life. Um, now I have, I have a couple other questions in terms of the education space, some of the things that are kind of more experiential inside. Um, and a lot of the dispensaries, you know, we're seeing these led TVs, we're seeing these pop-up kiosks that, that kind of like allow you to just come buy your weed there and it drops it down just like a little, um, it's like you're buying a Gatorade, you know what I mean? So do you guys have plans to be integrating technology and any kind of experiential things on top of the education space in the retail environment? Yes. Yes. We definitely plan on uh, being a guide to the customer, simplifying the experience and trying to educate them uh, before they even walk in and speak to one of our bud tenders. So we are going to have uh, that modern technology that assists. We're going to have content throughout the entire store that makes them arrive at the point at their point. As new people start to, you know, uh, get into cannabis, obviously mental health is a big thing. Uh, the older people are actually uh, uh, more um, more interested in trying cannabis. So our goal is to make it as uh, educational uh, and easy as possible, so we can educate them before they even speak with a with, with the with the bud tender. Um, as far as our education center, that one's going to be unique. Uh, I haven't seen anything like it. It's going to hold 50 people. Uh, we're definitely going to be inviting um, brands, companies from all categories mm-hmm. uh, to come and educate our... Like a little uh, conference room or, or how... Yeah, so it's going to be set up. Uh, it's gonna, So it's going to be a nice uh, setup with nice uh, lighting. Uh, think of like a TED Talk, right? Mm-hmm. Nice TED. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, where it's more intimate. Uh, I'm going to have cameras everywhere so I can go live uh, via social media platforms. Also share uh, the credentials with the brand who's coming in so they can go live. My goal is to really bring their best, right? Whether it's a founder, whether it's their best educator or some type of executive from that company and category uh, to educate our uh, community and educate our customers and the people who are... uh, most loyal to their brand. Uh, and if you can't make it, you could always uh, go live and uh, make it there. Mm. Got to be able to have that whole social ecosystem. Very important. And that's super cool to have you guys 
the integrating that in the education, the digital, the retail side of it. I'm again, super pumped for that. Yeah, for sure. We're also going to have a, a gift shop uh, where we're going to sell uh, non-cannabis products. Uh, right there, we're definitely going to do a lot of collabs with locals. We're going to have a lot of uh, regional culture merchandise, uh, paraphernalia, uh, souvenirs, um, you know, anything that has to do with the city of Oxnard or the 805 uh, area code, uh, you can definitely... Uh, you can definitely expect to feel like if you're in that uh, region as soon as you hit that shop. And then for our, for our showroom, uh, that one I can't really talk about. We definitely have a lot of, uh, you know, trade secrets there. But what I could tell you is that um, we're going to have experts for every category. Uh, again, we, we definitely want to be pioneers. And I've seen what's out there right now. Some people are doing it great. Some people could do it better. Uh, but this is our version of great, uh, and this is our uh, th this is our chance to take a stab at it. Yeah, and we have the space to do it. I'm excited to see how that comes to life, my man. For sure. Yeah, thank you. So am I. I can't wait. I've been waiting two and a half years. <laughs> yeah, had the, had the vision. So that's you know, being a local and making it in in this game of cannabis. We touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, of your guys' beginnings, and then Joey was smoking on it, but you guys have the Savior's Road pre-roll that just dropped. So could you give us a little bit of insight on, on what that is, what that means for the brand, and then a little bit more on just the importance of Savior's Road for that local community and how you guys tie into the history there? Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm huge on, uh, on origins, right? I'm huge on culture. Uh, this brand, Tree Factory, uh, it's definitely... Uh, for the people, by the people. It comes from the culture. Uh, Savior's Road is where we started. So we decided to uh, take it back to the very beginning of when we started, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to, to really be more, uh, more authentic, uh, more uh, in tune with our community and also uh, shine, light, shine some light on Savior's Road. Some people don't know about Savior's Road. Uh, and there's a lot of history, uh, rich history uh, on Savior's Road. Cruise nights, celebrations, gathering, gatherings, uh, Anderson Pack. Um, it was a corridor for, uh, you know, people to, uh, to go back and forth. Uh, middle of the city of Oxnard. Uh, and, you know, ironically, the birthplace of Tree Factory. Um, yeah, so we have a cultivation facility in San Luis Obispo County. It's 20,000 square feet. Um, we're going to have 300 lights. We're uh, in the process of doing our entire construction. Uh, so little by little, we're going to be rolling out uh, our tree factory line. Grown by us. Um, and and it, it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely going to be a genuine brand that mm -hmm. comes from, you know, essentially the trenches that comes from uh, pre-legalization uh, and that's authentic, true to its core. Do you, is it going to still be branded as Tree Factory or do you have plans to launch multiple brands like underneath the Tree Factory line? Uh, yes. So I have one in mind. Uh, so essentially it is going to be branded Tree Factory, uh, but the brand that I have in mind uh, is the Green Mile, right? 
why the green mile? Yeah, why the green mile? Well, we're on the green mile in Fort Wayne, but for me, the green mile means more than that one mile strip. Uh, it means, uh, you know, deliveries. You know, those three hundred thousand deliveries that we've done. Each transaction is a mile, a green mile, right? Uh, so it, it just goes back to that. The culture. I'm looking at that as like a prohibition era, right? Uh, moonshiners, right? So essentially, we've been doing green miles all of our life, me and people alike. I love it. I love it. And I wanted to ask, too, you know, being being up here in the Washington market, we do not have delivery. That's something you guys have, you know, been able to carry over from medical uh, into the recreational market successfully in California. What is the importance of delivery in the cannabis marketplace and to the consumer? What, what do you feel like is the importance and the gravity around deliveries? Right. Well, I think first and foremost, you definitely have to have a strong uh, logistics team. You definitely have to have a dedicated staff for that department. That department, uh, it's more difficult to run a delivery than it is a dispensary. So you got to make sure that your logistics team's on point. Uh, all the time. Um, and the importance of it for the consumer is convenience, right? Convenience, COVID hit, we were there for them. They, uh, they did not want to leave their house. Uh, we went up in sales, we worked through it. We made sure that we delivered uh, on time. We made sure that we delivered accordingly, but it, it really comes down to convenience for the customer. Convenience and simplicity. If you can get those two things going, along with having a strong logistics team, uh, you can definitely provide that five-star customer service to your, uh, to your customers. Do you feel like, just from like a business perspective, do you feel like most of the consumers that order delivery also come into the dispensary, or do you feel like they really teeter towards like almost delivery only? Um, well, I think, uh, I think it's both. But there is a strong customer base that knows what they want. They're fans of certain brands. They don't want to leave their house. They want to be, uh, you know, they, they want to, you know, stay at home or uh, be at their workplace. And they prefer delivery. It also, it also comes down to trust, right? Once you build up enough trust with them, they're probably just going to do delivery. The only reason they're going to go into the store is if they want to try something new out and they want to see it in person. Interesting. That makes sense. Well, I mean, you know, pre, pre-legalization, the, you know, and even pre-medical, the delivery was, you know, usually, usually. Right. Yeah. And I think the, yeah, the consumer's still exploring. I think the consumer still wants to look. That's why, you know, uh, 66% of transactions are at the dispensary. Mm-hmm. 33% of transactions are uh, from delivery. But I think as the industry matures more and the customer you know, gets accustomed to a certain brand um, and the technologies out there uh, that wouldn't necessarily do business with uh, cannabis industries start to come on board and start to simplify it for the operators, I think you're gonna start to, to see uh, it be more convenient for the consumer and that consumer is gonna grow. Agreed. I mean, <clears throat> there's there's just got to be overall an improved dispensary experience. I'm seeing here um, the you, you guys YouTube comments coming in. Um, 
the experience overall is a lot of low. I go to a lot of dispensaries, the education, the bud tender turnover. There's so many different variables coming into play. Um, but when you have a highly educated team, when they're dedicated, it's a concentrated focused effort. They become better over time. Thankfully, your team has been able to transition over the years and, and maintain that experience. Obviously, you have people come and go, but for the most part, it's a very much a strong, tightly knit team. Turnover uh, rate is, is very low. If, if somebody leaves our company, it's because, um, I mean, essentially, they're going to start their career uh, and we 100% support them. For us, uh, I still work with the same people that we started with, and I've, I've actually recruited, um, you know, more people uh, with talent, you know, to to assist, right? I, I feel like uh, Tree Factory definitely uh, is something that grew beyond me, uh, and I had to recruit the right help for the right department so we can continue to grow it. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately... Um, for us, we're all on the same page. Uh, we want to make sure that Tree Factory grows beyond all of us. And we want to see this. Uh, we want to take it as far as we possibly can. Absolutely. And so I want, I want to talk about something. You were talking about brands earlier, um, you know, and, and consumers and, their, and their, their preference. Some consumers have preference for brands. Some consumers are still exploring brands and just learning the marketplace. What do you feel is the importance and the value of brands on cannabis products in, in the legal market? Um, for sure, consistency, uh, honesty, and price point. Uh, there's different categories, different uh, you know, different uh, categories of cannabis, and it it just comes down to to trust, consistency. And that price point, right? What's the consumer looking for? Um, and do they trust that brand? If that brand can be trustworthy to that consumer, then that brand has a customer for life. 100%. We've seen, I'm not going to mention any names on the brand, but we've seen people get in trouble for their labeling. There's a couple lawsuits gone out there. Babe Gate was pretty eye-opening. Um these cannabis companies, man, they've got to be able to handle the, the reality that doing business a certain way has its ramifications. It can be quick and slow or it can be slow to hit from one way or the other. Um, when you have Instagram and fans and people posting and all this digital coverage, it's pretty easy to make a case about certain things um, where we, we actively see all the raids that shout out to the blacklist. Um, we actively see so much content on the news. Um, so I just feel like it's really just, uh, you know, a, a potential massive fire at any moment to just do things that are high risk, you know? Yeah, I definitely think that, um, that, you know, the cannabis industry is one of those industries where if you cut corners, it's going to show. Yeah. Mm. Quick, quick and easy. Right. Smoking some good, smoking some weed over here, that's 75 and 8. 80, 80, 98 smells like hay. Not even going to lie. Right. Yeah. That's cutting corners. Uh, and it shows. Uh, so, yeah, I think to, you know, to, to, to go back to that question, I think it, it's consistency. Consistency and trust. Um, if you can accomplish those two things as a cannabis company, 
you have a chance. And that, and something that you value or that, that you benefit from, right, is understanding this market predating what it looks at now, right? Because that's something that's always been um, a leading factor of whether someone's in the com- on the commerce, you know, on the purchasing or the selling commerce side of it, even, you know, pre-medical again, was consistency, price point, and, you know, trust factor, right? If I trust my guy, if he's always got something, might be a little bit under one time, it might be really hitting one time, but it's consistently within a range that I enjoy and I can get it for the same price any day of the week. I'm not ever going to call another weed man. You know, I'll wait an hour for the weed man, two hours, three hours, four hours for the weed man if it's hitting those things. Right. It's a routine. And that routine, if you're consistent, you'll be a part of that consumer's routine. Right. And so that's that's a big value for you guys having that, again, the history around this as, as opposed to, you know, a green rusher that's just jumping into this, applying other consumer good packages to this or other consumer good markets to this when there's certain examples, the, the illicit market or what, you know, gray market has, has shown us what the consumer wants. Right. Yeah. And I, I, we have a strong purchasing team. Uh, we definitely have a checklist on things uh, to go over. So we don't just accept anybody. We make sure that we inspect it. We make sure that it, uh, if it's uh some type of like value cannabis, we make sure that the price points on point, it's a bang for your buck. And ultimately uh, we make sure that it's something that we would consume before we uh, even bring it into our store. So if it's garbage, if it's altered test results, you're not going to get into our doors. Mm -hmm. I think that's super important is, you know, helping customers really understand the the need for testing the need for uh transparency helping people understand that this traditional market although it's it's okay that there's always going to be this market there's it's always going to be around we understand this but we want customers to understand that there is this trust factor that exists in this legal industry that technically and scientifically doesn't actually exist in the other one Right. And it's to that impact that as a medical patient, as someone who uses it for IBS, Crohn's, kidney stones, strong nausea, things like that. I need to know that the stuff that I'm taking is absolutely clean and safe every time. And there's just no ifs, ands or buts about that. For my mom with the same condition, it's there's just no qualms to that as well. Um and so, you know, we all started off buying weed in the, in the grocery bag or grocery bags if they didn't have a sandwich bag, you know, like whatever they could get it in. Right. And it just I think it's cool to learn a little bit about your story and, and kind of see and hear the whole history path um, minus significant details that we don't need to, to dive into too much without incriminating anybody. And. Uh, it's just really been a cool time to hear have you on the show so far, my man. Mitch, do you have any other questions for my man? Yeah, I, I definitely. David wanted to just get into a little bit about, you know, your guys' efforts of giving back to the community, the mm. local community. Some, something that has came up in other conversations with you and obviously on this conversation a lot is the word local. You are a local, local-owned business, local-owned and operated, you know, the community, the culture you know, you guys have made that an important aspect of building this business of being local, working with locals, hiring locals. Um, 
what is also kind of the driving force of giving back to the local community and what are some unique and, and ways that have been really rewarding to you in doing so? Right. Uh, yeah. So to date, we definitely donated a significant amount to uh, small uh, nonprofits, uh, local nonprofits. I try to stay clear of the, uh, you know, the, the, the bigger nonprofits. I like to, uh, just like the cannabis that comes into our store, I like to make sure I hand select the people I work with. I like to know that they're authentic. Um, and I like to uh, actually get my hands dirty myself. So you'll see me out there picking up trash. You'll see me out there doing the beach cleanups. You'll see me out there at the little leagues. Um, you'll see me out there. Uh, as a matter of fact, this Friday, I'll be feeding the homeless uh, with my uh, with my group. We're going to hit Oxnard. Uh, we're going to donate, uh, you know, some uh, some goodies, uh, non-cannabis. It'll be essentials and food. Um, and for me, it's, it's, it's to be able to give back to a community that, uh, raised me, brought me up and, and, and really embraced me. It's, it's a priceless feeling. Uh, you know, for example, uh, when I was a youth, I was an adolescent youth. You know, I grew up in a tough neighborhood, South Oxnard, Port Wainimi. Um, my dad signed me up for Little League and the coaches mentored me. They kept me out of trouble um, and they made sure that uh, I stayed on a straight path in a rough neighborhood. So recently uh, I reached out to them uh, and I talked to them about it and they were excited to have uh, a cannabis company on board. Although there's no branding of a cannabis company, uh, to be able to be the biggest donor for that little league, to me, it was a priceless feeling. Uh, it, it definitely, uh, you know, took me down memory lane and it definitely made me appreciate the, uh, the, the community. That's awesome, man. I, I grew up playing little league. I remember seeing all the sponsors. That's that. Now, obviously you can't, you know, we're not marketing the little league here, but I, I, I can just still appreciate the, the donor, uh, the, the donor and the, uh, and the donations aspect of it. That's just huge. Well, gave you your your hat and your jersey, man. Yeah, I still hold the the home home run record there for uh for the major division. I oh, hit uh, nineteen home runs in one season. No cap. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so that that one was definitely uh, huge for me. It definitely hit home, and uh, it, it definitely uh, made me grateful. Um, you know, to to be able to do something like that for for you know that little league. And that, and that's great to like, you know, again, something that's came out, you know, of your mouth a lot is authenticity. And I think something like that isn't, you're not doing that for marketing purposes. It's not, it's not a, it's not a marketing spend. It's truly connecting with the community and taking that mindset and approach is going to pay off in, in the long way. And a lot of other, you know, a lot of corporate people try to buy their ways, buy social currency, local currency in certain areas. And you can't really replace authentically just plugging in, whether it's networking, donating money, working behind the scenes. Um, that's, that's truly priceless. Right. Yeah. And it definitely uh, it's 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 how I want to write my story. Right. Mm. When it's said and done, uh, it's it comes down to authenticity. We didn't cut any corners. We took the stairs. We stayed clear of the elevator. Uh, we definitely, uh, you know went through the obstacles uh you know we we definitely went through hell uh 
And, you know, we were able to make something out of it, which was an authentic company uh, that's for the community. It's huge. Big shout out to the Tree Factory fam, man. It's taking a whole team, the Tree Factory army, if you would, man. It took a whole village, for sure. That's fucking awesome. The come up, the whole come up story. Yeah. I, I know, you know, just looking at my notes, right? You went from a garage and four lights to now coming into two stores, one of them being 23,000 square feet and a 300 light grow, man. That's got to be a surreal feeling. Yeah, definitely. Consistency. <laughs> I think consistency and then, um, you know, trust. The people I work with, the people who join Tree Factory, the other executives, um, they seen the same vision I seen. Uh, and it, it's, it's this, it's, it's uh, the vision of creating something that benefits our community that's bigger than all of us. Huge. For sure, yeah, thank you guys, appreciate you guys. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, I think we got a complete, we got a little complete narrative here, man. All right, yeah, there's, there's, there's more stories where that came from. <laughs> well, we got we got more we got more to uncover uh, later on on the North American Weed Tour, everybody. Uh, we very much appreciate everybody for following along, for tapping in. Uh, we've had David Garcia here from Tree Factory, co-founder, uh, family-run business, Ventura County. We got dispensaries in uh, well, gosh, Port Wyneme, Oxnard. You got delivery coming in uh, slow up. There's there's a yeah. lot. A lot of awesome uh, growth and opportunity going down in the Ventura County, Cannabis, Slow County, all these different Santa Barbara, the whole Central Coast. This is where uh, Glasshouse Farms is up in this coastal area. Big shout out to them. They got their whole like crazy canopy and greenhouse situation. There's just so much weed being growing out there and you guys are selling all the weed. This is exciting, man. California Cannabis is booming. Yeah, definitely. And we're excited to be a part of it. We appreciate having you on the show, man. It was it was very fun. Everybody that's watching, make sure you guys tap in, go follow, search for Tree Factory on Instagram, and then make sure you guys Google Tree Factory Dispensary or Tree Factory Delivery. Um, I've done it. Tree Factory shows up. So go tap in, learn more there. Uh, go tap in with David Garcia on LinkedIn. I just uh, checked it out there. We're going to get you going on there too, get you active. Um, and man, this is episode three, the North American Weed Tour. We got more coming, everybody. We're going to have we're going to have uh, David back again, um, I believe, probably in October-ish, November-ish. I've got to look at the dates. Um, got a lot of really cool cannabis brands coming in and being featured on the future episodes. So, David, thank you again, and congratulations to your whole team. Appreciate you. Thank you. You guys have a good You as well, brother. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, man. So North American Weed Tour podcast, episode three. That was David Garcia from Tree Factory. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of takeaways. Obviously, the story for, for, for him and the Tree Factory brand, they have a real authentic story of just some local hustlers that came up, you know, the, the traditional story that we hear, we hear from a lot of people that have been around this industry that came from the medical market and had one hell of a time breaking into the recreational market, being, you know, a smaller local run business with self, you know, self-funded as opposed to corporate or venture capital backed uh, money, you mm -hmm. know, money, money talks and makes things a lot easier. 
Um, so you gotta love when you hear a, a story, not only a smaller local business thrive, but a business that's been in this industry and comes from the culture to step over to the rec side and not just float around and exist in the rec, but start making corporate size moves. Yeah, you know, it's, it's impressive. Be a part of, get a dispensary partner, do your thing with them, grow together, separate, get into another dispensary, kill it at that, immediately get into access to another dispensary, put it on the ground, start building it out, and then also get a 300 lighter going. There is a lot of opportunity, everybody. This is the North American Weed Tour. We wanted to give you guys behind the scenes views, up-to-date perspectives, what it takes. The re- You heard it here. Authenticity. Handpicking the relationships of the people he works with. Handpicking the relationships. We're talking about uh, a, a co-founder uh, who literally works with his family on this project on a daily basis. It, it's this kind of level of detail. It's this kind of attention. This kind of passion is who we wanted to connect with in the North American Weed Tour. I hope that you guys take notes. I hope that you guys heard about the persistence and the consistency. There were so many keywords for you guys to just really focus in on, circle them, underline them, focus the fuck in on them. You have to do it because if you want to own your dispensaries, if you want to own a delivery service, this is what it takes. You got to start growing. You got to start slanging stuff. You got to start getting licenses. You got to start asking people for some money if that's what the route you want to go, or you got to do it yourself and work together with some family members or something. But one way or the other, you got to get organized. And hopefully this is going to inspire you a lot of fire under your guys' butt. Man, I'm inspired. North of this, David is 32, I think, turning 33, right? Yeah. It's the North Easier American YouTuber, anyway. man. If this isn't a lot of fire under your guys' asses, I don't know what's going to do it. He's not even 40, owning dispensaries, delivery services. Let's go. Come on. Yeah, and that... And that's, you know, Joey hit, hit, hit the nail on the head. The North American Weed Tour is looking at recreational, legalized cannabis, not rec- recreational medical cannabis across the Northwest, or not the Northwest, sorry, across North America, telling the stories, looking at brands, looking to everything from craft to commercial. And again, David and team are going from very much craft on their way to a, a commercialized size um, from the ground up. So that's kind of, they're, they're, they're a great look of kind of telling both stories or the transition um, from one Started size. from the, the bottom, now we're here. Ugh. Hey man. So that, that's awesome. Um, you know, tree factory, love the branding, love the name, love this, love, love, love the narrative and the story. I don't know how anyone could hear that and not be a fan of that. Um, yeah, blessing to have them on here and we're going to be back with more content throughout the week. Um, this podcast will be going on multiple times a week. We got podcasts coming every Wednesday, Sunday, we're adding in Mondays and the occasional Fridays. Not every Monday, not every Friday, but we're going to add them in depending on availability. We got to be flexible because we got 80 of them coming for the North American Weed Tour. We're episode three. We got 77 more coming. I hope you guys are ready. More to go. Thank you for watching. I'll see you on the next episode, man. JP, checking in, checking out.